Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. As always, it's great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. So today is International Women's Day, which is all about empowering and supporting women from all over the world. It's a day where people across the globe are featuring inspiring stories and highlighting incredible women who have overcome challenges and are paving the way for future generations. And I couldn't be more honored to have such an incredible guest here with me for today's show. So get ready today inside the huddle with us and here to help us move the ball is Miss Johanna Ferris. Johanna serves as head of leagues for Activision's Blizzard Esports, overseeing league operations, product development, and general management of the Call of Duty and the Overwatch League Esports globally. In her role, she has led the formation of the new global city-based league, which is going into its second season, and we'll spend some time talking about that in the show. And Joanna is also a sports industry veteran who joined the Activision Blizzard's leadership team in 2018 after 12 years with the National Football League at its league office headquarters in New York City. Now, Joanna has received so many awards throughout her career, most recently being recognized in 2020 as one of 2020's most powerful women in sports. And I could go on and on, but I'm sure you'd rather hear from her instead. So Joanna, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. Glad to be here. Well, like I said, it's such an honor and a true pleasure to have you with us on the show, especially today to celebrate International Women's Day. You are such an inspiration and a role model to so many other young women out there. And I really thank you for carving out time for us to chat today. So I certainly want to get into talking about your career and your current role with Activision Blizzard. But since today is International Women's Day, let's kick off our conversation around this topic. International Women's Day means different things to different people. Can you share with us when you think about today, what is the significance for you? There's so much significance in it. There's just uh, so much that you can talk about around the journey that so many women are taking at different parts of their career, uh, the things we balance as women, both professionally and playing, and just the empowerment that we see coming forward on days like today all over the globe to just celebrate not only the power that women have in all the different spaces they occupy, but how we, uh, frankly, as an entire community, a global community, can continue to spotlight the progress that we have yet to make in areas and, and the impact that has already been made. So it's, it's just a huge moment, I think, as, as a woman in, a, in, in many different spaces. Um, and uh, it's an honor to, to have conversations like these with you. Well, thank you. And I'm so excited that we're chatting today. I also lead a women's group called She's Got Game. And the slogan of our group is Alone a Woman Has Power. Together we have impact. And when I look at all the great women doing amazing things across the globe and have come together to really pave the way and do incredible things, it's just so neat to see the progress that women have been making over the last few decades. And when you look back in your life, can you share with us, were there any women that have helped play an influential role in your life and continue to help you excel throughout your career? 
Countless, literally countless, even just like early days, let's take my NFL career. Some of the most impactful door openers and career developers that I had were women I reported to, right? So I was really lucky to be able to report in strong uh, professional executive women who are already breaking down barriers and so forward thinking and impactful in their own spaces and to be able to learn from them, be trained up. Uh, be hired, frankly, um, just goes to show again, women working together can do great things. So I've, I've really seen that in nearly every aspect of my life. Um, even personally, of course, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest of three girls. So um, I've always looked up to my sisters and, and the ways that they have carried themselves throughout their own lives. Um, my mom is an incredible uh, woman who's, you know, broken down her own barriers throughout her entire life and career. Then the list goes on and on. And I'd say even as a leader, when I've had the opportunity to build teams around me, in every instance I can imagine, whether it was a deal getting done or a big project that had to be delivered, you know, women at the table made that happen. And making sure that you know, I was um, always mindful of opening doors for others. Um, so as a mentor, even I think when I walked doors of Activision Blizzard to take on the role for commissioner of Call of Duty League, my first two hires were women, right? In, in a predominantly male space, um, I knew they were the best candidates for the job and they've been with me here on this journey ever since and it's been incredibly successful thus far. So big believer in it and thankful every day that I've had strong women around me, both personally and professionally throughout my life. Oh, I love it. And as we're talking today about being strong women and doing great things, as there are young ladies listening to our show, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this throughout your the discussion about your career, but is there any advice that you would share now for the young women that are listening? Maybe they're interested in sports, but maybe they're just interested in a field that is predominantly male. What advice would you share with them as they're thinking about their future careers and maybe struggling with, do I go down that path or do I maybe do something more traditional and encouraging them to break through barriers and to continue to push on? Yeah, I think that fearlessness is really important not to second guess what your passions are and the grit and the resilience that you can put forward, right? Success is when there are diverse teams of people working together to make something not just good, but great. And so reminding, you know, young women that they belong inherently, and not only do they belong, they're needed for the best outcomes, whether they're financial outcomes, whether they're community engagement outcomes, whatever the task, um, you belong at the table. And it really um, shouldn't be something that any young woman is questioning. I felt a lot of that confidence come through even as an athlete. I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. My first foray in soccer was on the boys soccer team when I was five or six years old, because there wasn't an all-girls soccer team in my neighborhood. And Thanks to my, my dad and my parents, like there was never a question. I didn't belong. And I think that has stayed with me ever since. And so I would pay that advice forward that, you know, that confidence that you can bring coupled with, you know, the, again, the focus on the focus on learning, the focus on working with and through others effectively uh, will help you get to whatever success point you're looking for as you develop your careers. But, but don't doubt yourself. You, you belong and, and you will have an impact if you work hard. That's a great piece of advice. And you mentioned being a multi-sport athlete. Something that I like to highlight on the show when I have pro athletes on and college athletes is the competitive athlete mentality and how that connects to leadership and success beyond the game. So can you share with us some of the lessons that you've learned? You talked a little bit about it, but some other lessons that you've learned that have helped you to be successful that you've learned from being a competitive athlete. 
I think some of the lessons that really emanate are from the fact that I played a tremendous amount of team sports. I did individual sports as well, but the team sports, especially my, my many years as a basketball player and as a soccer player, have carried through just every challenge professionally that I can think about because it really is about the team and playing their role and trying to row together in the same direction to score the goal, to win the game, whatever it might be. I think that piece has been critically important to me as a leader. I'd much rather, again, assemble best-in-class teams and, and do something bigger than any one individual can accomplish. I'd also say, you know, as cliche as it might sound, I think it really is true. As athletes, we will have good days and we will have bad days. We will some of our games and we will lose some of our games. And to feel the spectrum of emotion that comes with that, but to be able to bounce back and always focus on improving and always focus on this as a training ground where, you know, some days you get the W and it's going to feel great. And other days you're just not going to, you know, make that happen or the cards aren't going to fall your way. And to be able to, as a team or as a, you know, high performing athlete individually recover, learn, analyze, break down the tape, as they say, and get back out on the field is huge. It has been a huge theme, especially in the last couple of years, launching new leagues. Um, and that grit to just keep fighting and, and keep trying to, to train up has been hugely important and resonant in my life. Yeah. And I think as a competitive athlete, it's easy to condition yourself to just bounce back and, and focus on that next play or that next game. It's something I talk about with a lot of um, current or former NFL guys that have been on the show, but sometimes it's not so easy for people to do that in life because they're not conditioned to just, you got to let that go and move on because you don't have time to dwell on what just took place. You got to move forward for that next game, that next play, whatever. So do you have any advice that you can share if somebody is struggling with that? Maybe they didn't get the outcome that they wanted or that job that they wanted and they're feeling kind of down and how can they recover from that and keep going? Do you have any tips there? Yeah, find your coaches, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. that is something that's huge as far as the psychological ability to be resilient, right? To your point, we can't do huge things alone. It just doesn't work that way. And sometimes you need to go to a coach or somebody who's outside of your own head and say, hey, here's what's you know working, here's what's not working. Um, and they have your back and they're going to help you put one foot in front of the other. Uh, we've all been there though. You know, you need those times to just kind of grieve a little <laughs> or feel the sting of a missed opportunity. But again, you get back up um, and, and you look back at, you know, what, what can I learn from that moment? What can I draw from that moment? And I, I'm a big believer in, in coaches helping athletes really activate the best of themselves. So we can't do all of it on our own and we can't get outside of our own head. We need people who we can be you know, partnering with and who can be soundboards and, and coaches and teachers and trainers. So find those coaches metaphorically and, and literally at times and, and really lead into them, especially in the hard moments where you can just say, hey, look, I don't really know what I should be doing next, or I just feel like these doors aren't opening for me. Um, do you have any advice? Do you have anything that you would suggest I do differently? People who are willing to lean in to help you improve will give that time and will give that wisdom. And I, and I found that to be critically important um, in addition to just individual performance. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I would say the call to action here is if you don't have someone in your life now that you think of as a coach, then find one because they are so important, especially when you're going through those tougher 
times we need those people to help pick us up, to look at what's working, what's not working, to assess, to review the game film, if you want to kind of help guide us to move forward. So thank you for that. So let's talk about your career. You know, you've been in the world of sports, which is traditionally a male dominated world. And I've personally come to learn and appreciate just how difficult it can be as a woman in sports after publishing my book, Move the Ball, and doing more work in the sports space. But I started off my career in engineering, in aerospace and defense, Fortune 50 company, which was also a male-dominated industry. So I've kind of navigated that same type of environment and share with us what it was like for you going into the world of sports and the NFL and what things did you do to really help excel in that area? I think I was always trying to build uh, bridges and relationships to learn from those around me. And sometimes it wasn't necessarily explicit. It could just be me really listening or focusing on who was deemed a high performer in the room. Or, you know, if there was a top-notch executive walking in and giving a pitch, like what made that pitch great? Uh, And just really taking news from those around me. Um, has been, you know, part of my journey ever since I can remember starting even at the NFL uh, and really focusing on how I can learn and, and hyper listen to, to bring some of those strengths that I was seeing and respecting from so many people around me into my own behavior set. Um, and then I would say you're right. Look, navigating um, male-dominated uh, spaces, um, you know, or as a minority and a person of color, you know, there's just so much that goes into the intersection of, of gender and race and identity and, and all these nuances. But I think, again, I, I have always found success in keeping a very broad and diverse range of, again, coaches, cheerleaders, I want to call them, who are there for me to tap into and vice versa, um, to get better, to learn, to analyze, to ask questions. I always felt very blessed that most people especially the most talented, are so willing to offer their insight and their advice and to create symbiosis between myself and those around me, whether I work for them or they work for me um, or they were just peers, right, better together. I think that always had a network effect where, in fact, everybody was actually growing from those types of relationships and um, really asking each other, how can we improve or how can we you know, take 5x to 10x and so forth. So activating the network around me, cluing into star performers around me, and really being able to find, again, those coaches and advisors when needed to train up quickly um, has always been a key part of the recipe for me. Oh, that's great. And now I mentioned when I read your bio that you spent 12 years with the NFL, you held a number of leadership roles across marketing, league initiative strategy, fan and business development, partnerships, um, et cetera. And so can, as you look back on your NFL career, your time with the NFL, what was your most satisfying moment or one of the most satisfying experiences that you were a part of during your time there? Oof, there are so many. I feel so lucky to have worked on some of the projects that I, that I was able to work on. I'd say, you know, one in my licensing and consumer products days, we were a small but mighty team, maybe only about five to seven of us who spent the better part of uh, 10 to 20 months really trying to bring the likes of Nike and Under Armour and um, New Era and many others into the fold uh, back in 2010 through 2012, uh, not just on field, but off the field and really restructuring um, our entire licensing business as a result. I got so much exposure to billion dollar deal making that way, 
uh, to delivering successful outcomes for ownership and presenting on those things, and also managing, you know, top notch world-class brands and understanding how they operate their businesses as licensees for a major league. So really being a part of that uh, process end to end was an extremely edifying and educational experience for me and something that was really rewarding. And then I'd also say on the event side, when I was you know overseeing marketing and, and calendar platform development to really blow out the draft was really cool. We loved the opportunity to have to challenge ourselves as a league to think differently about the draft and it, what had typically been relatively small scale attendance at Radio City Music Hall in Manhattan for many, many years. We had the opportunity to really reinvent that and reimagine it as a traveling circus, if you will, and take it from NFL City to NFL City, starting in Chicago and, and Philadelphia and many other places. That was hugely successful. And it was awesome to just see, you know, 250, 500,000 at times fans rolling out to celebrate um, what I would call the spring Bowl of the NFL and to know that we had a hand in, in delivering that type of um, new way of working and new way of eventizing key platforms, especially in the off season was really fulfilling and awesome. Oh, that's great. And another thing that you played a significant part in was the NFL's My Cause, My Cleats initiative, which is something that I've loved seeing in my book, Move the Ball. There's a chapter that talks about don't just be a player. And it's about giving back and making an impact on the world. And success isn't just about what you do in your life, but what you do for others and help others. And so can you talk to us about what it was like to work on that project? It was incredible. It was also one of those incredibly complicated uh, platforms to get off the ground. I could talk for hours on sort of the different stakeholders and the different nuances that needed to be true to really make that happen. But you're spot on. I mean, to see uh, the ability to bring to life the personal causes that were, were so important to NFL players and to do it in such a creative way that resonated with fans of all ages and really took over not just uh, the coverage of our games, but our digital engagement and the stories and the content in the communities, frankly, that were highlighted as a part of that. Uh, I think the biggest uh, pieces that to me felt so rewarding was how player-led that was. And for, for me and my team to be able to work directly with players to make sure that they were you know, really authoring uh, together with us how this initiative was going to come to life and how they were going to work with, you know, great customizers to put amazing um, designs on their cleats and really champion so much social impact across the board. Awesome part participation from players. So I loved that player first lens uh, and to be able to be as supportive as possible as, as marketers and as initiative builders on the league office side to make that real. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love talking with players about their different causes and it, community service and making an impact is just such a huge part of who I am. So I get really excited seeing the different causes that uh, the players are championing for and trying to make a difference for. So let's transition out of your NFL career to Activision Blizzard. In 2018, you joined the Activision Blizzard team, commissioner of the Call of Duty League. Talk to us about that transition and what your focus was when joining the organization. So much of the transition was going from something so established as the NFL to something so um, emerging. And in, we continue to see that emerging aspect of esports unfolding literally every day, not every week. The white sheet of paper uh, factor was really not ever a factor uh, when I was working 
uh, my years at the NFL, that was much more about such a sophisticated sports league um, looking to continue to innovate and stretch beyond the the existing success it had already amassed over the last you know several uh, decades and, and even now a century. To come into Activision Blizzard and to lead an emerging business that is so nascent in many ways, but to couple that with the legacy and the equity, not only of Call of Duty as a brand, but also the power of Activision Blizzard's IP and the communities that surround this gameplay is both, you know, an enormous blessing and also an enormous complex web of decisions <laughs> that you have to manage to understand, you know, where do we want to take our leagues? Uh, how quickly do we want to get there? And what does great really look like when it's literally never been done before? Uh, but that was part of the appeal to me, you know, to, to take that risk and, and take all the highs and the lows that come with such a risky bet. It's been two plus years of some of the most rewarding work I've ever had the pleasure of doing, not just because of the people and the caliber of, of thought leadership that we have here at the company to drive this vision forward, but just to see how much engagement we've been able to accomplish, not just with uh, CDL, but also Overwatch League. And to be so visionary alongside our, our team owners and, and the players who play this game has been a uniquely significant experience for me as a professional and something that I am actually grateful for every day, no matter how hard it is that I, that I made the jump and I, and I took that risk. Oh, I love it. It's great to see something new that, that starts off as just an idea and see it grow and blossom right into something. Amazing. Just for those listening, the Call of Duty League had over 1.12 million subscribers on YouTube in the first year of operation. I think you guys are at like 1.26 million now. So continuing to grow at a great rate. And I know you guys are excited for the 2021 season. And we'll talk about that some more here in just a second. But would you be willing to share with us, you know, when you're starting off something new, there's some growing pains and, and you try something and you have setbacks or things don't work the way you want it. Do you have an example that you'd be willing to share with us of something that, that happened and how you overcame it, a challenge? Oh, the list is so long, <laughs> but I would say the obvious one is obviously about a year ago, right? We, we never saw a global pandemic coming. We thought that the hardest thing that we were going to have to face was, again, putting this ambitious league on the map and to stand up sold out arena-based events, world-class production, elite pro play and a new franchising structure behind it in our cities around the world. At no point did we expect to have to shift the way that we needed to last spring in light of COVID-19, especially when so much of the recipe for success in year one was originally putting on those live um, major entertainment uh, events in our arenas. And so we had to regroup really quickly and it was awesome to be able to do so. It was also awesome to be able to pivot as quickly as we did in a matter of call it four or five weeks to reevaluate our schedule, to um, establish remote cloud-based technology and tools to be able to host um, our broadcasts from bedrooms and apartments and facilities all over uh, the world and, and certainly North America to keep our players safe um, and, and to start thinking again about content in a very different way, knowing that we didn't have the live beat, uh, so to speak, to, to amplify. I think the numbers, right, speak for themselves a little bit. The way that we were able to capstone the season, it was the most watched uh, Call of Duty esports event in history for our championship weekend. And, and again, that was all done remotely um, without anybody's 
or fans in, in an arena as much as we would have loved to do that. And so I think that was such a challenge. It, it took absolutely everybody thinking about how we were going to make that pivot. But not, not only a, a huge boon for, for CDL and, and, and Overwatch League to be able to recover that way, but also a huge feather in the cap for esports. Um, and, and that's where we started to see not just the groundswell of engagement on our platforms and the viewership spikes, but we also started to see so much new influx of industry level interest in understanding you know, why esports is uniquely positioned to be able to be this agile and to be able to eventize in new and different ways, um, especially as compared to some more traditional sports leagues that were really struggling, obviously, to be able to operate. So um, ended up being a challenge that, that ended up having its own sort of silver linings, and we've been the beneficiaries of that ever since. Sure. And you mentioned you too. I mean, back in Q1 2020, where that was when the pandemic you know, started to, to hit, YouTube, I believe, was about 27% of the live esports share. Whereas as the year continued, it grew to about 44%, I think, in Q3. And so, and, and Call of Duty was very much a, a big part of that as well. Um, so it's just, it's, it's neat to see the success that the CDL has had in a year where there was so much change and having to pivot and adapt so quickly. So let's talk about 2021. Talk to us about some structure changes that are going to take place for CDL. We took a lot of time in the off season to reevaluate the structure of our competition. So for example, we've shifted into more of a stage-based type of regular season where we've got five stages. Each teams are really playing for the best possible seating in that bracket. They ideally come out on top at the end of each major uh, with the, you know, the best outcomes. And there's huge prize pool associated with each of those five tournaments. We've got, you know, um, four more to go um, on the our first stage here. And uh, it's been awesome. I think that pivot has been great because it helps us really focus on these major key moments in time, um, but sustain uh, fan engagement and fan interest across every match of the season, because every match is really going to matter, not just to how teams fare in the brackets for each of those majors, but also uh, the CDL points in totality that they can amass when you think about only eight teams of a 12 league um, advancing to the postseason, every match in the season structure really matters. It also delivers um, weekly content where we did to making sure that all 12 teams in the CDL are competing each week. Uh, that was not the case in season one, and we knew that our fans were really hungry to be able to see any one of their favorite teams no matter what the event was. And so that was been, that's been a great switch with the stage-based play as well. Um, everybody behind Call of Duty is a franchise to just light up CDL for our player base, to deliver rewards and incentives for those who do tune in and to really drive that connectivity back casual Call of Duty player base, um, celebrate them for when they do spend CDL, that they really are getting in-game rewards from, for that. Um, to your point about YouTube, we've partnered with them to make sure that that's the account linking. So it's a much more seamless opportunity to earn those types of incentives and rewards as a, as a COD player, from map design to mode design. I mean, we just took an end-to-end -end approach saying, you know, what did we like about season one? What could we do better in season two? And the team's just been firing on, on so many different cylinders. It's just been so special to see how quickly we've I think not just the sport, 
but also the way in which we are able to attract and drill more into appeal to the existing COD player base that we have, which as you know, is so huge. Yeah, that's, that's great. And you mentioned partnerships, partnering with YouTube. You also have some other uh, blue chip partners back for 2021, including Pepsi, T-Mobile, GameFuel. And uh, you guys recently announced that you have USAA now as a new presenting partner as well. We did, which is awesome, right? Um, USAA was a huge partner in my time at the NFL. This is the first time they've invested in a major esport. Uh, so it was, it's been great. And it's such a good marriage between the Call of Duty League and USAA and what a brand like they uh, stand for, right? And so we're excited to bring that forward. I think, um, you know, we expect more uh, partnerships of that caliber going forward. Well, that's awesome. As So I am still serving in the military myself, and I am a USAA customer. So it's neat to see uh, the partnership there. So very excited for that. Um, and then let's talk about uh, the Overwatch League, which is on the horizon. New season starts on April 16th. Talk to us a little bit about the Overwatch League. Yeah, I think a, a lot goes back to also assessing the competitive structure in the offseason here. It's been so much about this more East versus West narrative, which I personally love and I know our fans really uh, resonate with, where you've got amazing teams running the Asia Pacific region. You've got amazing teams representing the North America uh, and EU-based region. And we've also thought more about those tournament-based tentpole uh, pulse points. Similar to CDL, we're going to have these stages uh, four stages in, in the regular season for OWL specifically, but they all culminate in these amazing uh, tournaments where, you know, the best performing teams from both of the East and West regions are going to, you know, go toe to toe for, for all the marbles in these uh, four tentpole uh, events that we're going to stage. I'd also say, you know, the teams just done such amazing thinking about if COVID are there ways that we can optimize how we produce our events. And you've seen that across um, even now, but you'll see that with OWL um, from virtual broadcast sets um, to uh, the account linking that I've uh, mentioned and really rewarding um, our, our players who do tune in and really giving them value add back. We've also, you know, put in place the ability to operate some of these 10 polls as soon as it's safe and, and we can do it responsibly out of Hawaii. And it was something that we announced recently, only a few weeks ago, just to let fans know that we're going to make best efforts to try and stand up uh, the best possible remote online play. But to get these East versus West um, major tentpole events in a situation where at least um, American teams can be competing in Hawaii and really address some of the latency um, benefits that come with that, but also just the operational benefits that come from that. All of that is a testament, again, to just continuing to, to innovate um, in light of a pandemic and not let that be a constraint, but rather uh, force us to make the sport better, make the season more compelling, make sure that we've got the narrative arcs that we need, and to drive the regional affinity that we all expect of ourselves, especially in a city-based model. Oh, great. Thank you for, for sharing that and exciting things to come ahead with uh, the Overwatch. League. So as we're looking to, to close the show, I uh, want to take you through my two-minute drill in just a minute, but tying it back to people who are listening and trying to figure out what can they do to reach that next level in their career, any thoughts that you can share about uh, things that people can do to differentiate themselves or what you look for when you're looking to bring people on your team? What kind of leadership qualities uh, do you like to see in people? 
I love to see people, at least in the work that, that I've been a part of, people who really do want to be a part of a great team and to bring as much as they can to contribute to making that team the best it can possibly be. I love that mentality. And I think it's been part of the special sauce here in our early day success with leagues because we all really feel how hard every individual in that team is working, how much thought leadership and thought partnership is going into each and every decision we need to make. But more importantly, that we're there to support each other, that we've got to pick each other up on good days and bad days, that we're always going to think you know, about uh, the team first and, and what the team needs. And, and that is made up of stellar, um, unbelievably talented, unbelievably sharp individuals, right? So I always look for that. Um, I'd also say, you know, generally speaking, it was one of the reasons that making the move to Activision Blizzard was so appealing to me, that the people are tremendous, um, but they're also incredibly humble um, and incredibly kind in their approach. Um, And we're mostly stimulated from what I can see by unique business or operational or industry-wide challenges and incredible collaboration to the opportunities. So, you know, people who are, are we mentality um, more so than me mentality, something I look for and, and people who love a good vision and are willing to take the risk to, to do something big and bold, even if it comes with failure. Um, there's a bravery and a courage desire to do this type of work and a stamina, certainly. Um, but it's so inspiring to be able to work with people who, you know, collectively believe and are ready to face uh, the weather, no matter whether it's, it's great or whether it's tough, because there's such a resiliency that comes with that. Love it. Thank you for that. So what I want to do now is uh, transition to my two-minute drill. I'm just going to ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? Hi. All right. First one is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? The executive producer of SportsCenter. Oh, nice. Very cool. Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? I have no idea. Let's go with Zendaya. I'm just obsessed with her and I would love to think that she would ever <laughs> be like me in a future state and gone. Well, she's awesome. My kids love her and uh, she's definitely one of those young ladies that's a role model and an inspiration for so many young women out there. Totally. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Anywhere with my family. Nice, nice answer. Uh, how about what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay. Uh, what is a pet peeve of yours? Um, when people use less and fewer in the wrong ways. Grammatically? Thing. Got it. Yeah, I'm a, ner- a nerd grammar person or grammar nerd, I guess I should say. <laughs> I am the same way, <laughs> so I, I can relate. All right, the next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I am currently, I know this is going to sound really... Uh, cheesy, but I'm rereading the Bible right now. It's a great book. Can't go wrong with it. It is a great book. Yes, absolutely. All right. My next question, last question is you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Oh, this is easy. Martin Luther King Jr., Rabbi Abram Joshua Heschel, and Mahatma Gandhi. And the reason I say those three, not only because I find them to be heroes in my own journey, but I wrote about all three of them in my senior thesis at Harvard. And so it would be awesome to be able to chat about that live with them. Oh, nice. Very cool. Well, Johanna, as we wrap up today's show, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I guess my final thought would just be one thank you and 
keep growing and keep looking out for one another. But it's been a pleasure. I, I really appreciate the time here. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again. It's been a true honor and a pleasure having you on. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.